Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Hey everybody, happy Wednesday to you. Pastor Justy Smith here from Rock Creek Family Church. Hope that everybody had a great Thanksgiving and hope that you're doing well. Pray, I pray very dearly that you are growing closer and closer to the Lord every single day, every single week. Um, I know 2020 has not been what we originally wanted it to be. But you know what? Maybe it's what God wanted it to be to do whatever he needed to do to draw us closer to him. And I think that really is the biggest picture that he wants. And and, and that really is the first part of that really big picture is to draw us close to him. But then there's another part of that picture that he wants to reveal in us. And hey, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, maybe in the next couple of weeks or so, we'll get going on some, some Christmassy type stuff. Um, but for now, I've just had something kind of rolling over in my spirit, in my heart, in my mind, and I just want to share it with you. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to take. This may be, you know, uh, 45 minutes or so. I'm not, not real sure. But uh, we have a lot of scripture to cover. Um, God's going to take us all the way from Exodus through Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to make some stops along the way. So uh, without further ado, let's jump on in. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. Get your Bibles, your notepads, pencils, whatever it is. Um, We are not in Revelation anymore. Uh, Some of you are probably glad about that. And some of you, maybe uh, it's the first time you had ever studied Revelation like that and hope that you got a lot out of it. But now we are going to talk about the glory of God and how there's, there's a twofold reason that he wants to reveal the mystery of his glory to us, for us, and then eventually through us. And that's the whole purpose of it that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, as you're turning in your Bibles to Exodus 33, let's say a prayer. Let's ask God's blessing to be upon this upon our ears, our hearts, our minds to be open to what he has to say. And hey, I need it. I need the Holy Spirit to use me. I need I need him to use my heart and my mouth and my mind to deliver whatever message he wants you to get today. So let's pray and then let's dive right on in. Father God, we love you. And we thank you so, so much for all of your many blessings. Father, I know that we have faced some some crazy stuff this last year. And you know what? We don't even have um, really an end in sight yet. But what we do have, Lord, is you. And I pray that in our hearts, that would be enough. I pray, God, that you would use this Bible study today. Use it, Lord, for your glory. Use it, God, for our wisdom. Use it to shine a favor in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would open up our ears, our eyes, our hearts, our minds to receive what it is you're laying down. Father, we love you and we give you glory. And we ask for all of those 
who are needing encouragement or strength or, or health or whatever today. I pray, God, that you meet them. Meet them in that need. Meet them right where they are and encourage them and pick them up and heal them and lift them up and draw them closer to you. Father, we love you and we thank you. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Good to have you with us. Thank you for joining in. For those of you who are just turning on, tuning in, whatever, joining in, thank you for being with us, for being with Rock Creek Family Church. You are a part of us, such a dear, dear part of us. I know things are crazy right now. Uh, we are still having service. We are being careful. Uh, we're, we're trying to, to distance Wearing face mask, all that good stuff right now. Hoping, whew, hoping someday soon we're not going to have to do that and we can really open it up to everybody to come back and be a part of the church. Or maybe you've been a part of us online and you haven't even stepped foot in the building yet. That's okay. We want to get you there, though. We want to, we want to call you in and bring you up to be a part of the family of God right there uh, because I know something special is, is in that place and God wants to meet you there. Uh, but for now, hey, I know this may be the best way we can do this, so we're going to keep on doing this. Uh, we, we love having a presence online. We love having a presence in your home, in your families, wherever. Maybe I've even heard some people watching say that they watch this at work. Well, that's, that's great. Good deal. Keep watching. Keep sharing. Keep liking. Keep getting the Word of God out there. We are here for that. All right, Exodus chapter 33. Hey, we're also here for you too. We're here to teach you the word tonight. And tonight I want to teach you something that is probably so foundational and so powerful that if you would tap into this flow, and I'm going to say that word flow for a reason and for a purpose, that the Holy Spirit is moving and is flowing. In fact, even in times like this, and I would dare say even especially in times like this, the Holy Spirit is up to something. God is up to something, and he's flowing through his Holy Spirit to make that something be accomplished. And I want us to get into that flow. And it's the flow of knowing God in his glory for the purpose of sharing that glory and helping others around this this world whether whether it's your your family your your home your work life your your friends your church whatever helping them to see the glory of God as well and really that's that's the twofold reason the twofold flow I think that that God is wanting us to tap into right now it is drawing closer to God having him reveal more and more of his truth, his ways, his self to us. And it's for a main purpose. And, and it's the main purpose, uh, which is that purpose is twofold. And we'll go over that. We'll go over that twofold purpose of why he's, he's drawing us in, he's calling us up, he's calling us closer to him, even in the midst of such uncertainty. Uh, we begin by sharing a very familiar passage of scripture, one of my favorites, um, Exodus chapter 33. It's the, it's the story of Moses and how he has had this relationship with God, but he's been really, really close to God. In fact, earlier in chapter 33, it says that uh, Moses and God talk as if they are friends, uh, even face to face as friends. Um, but we're going to actually pick up at verse 12, and I'm going to read 12 
through 23. All right, so we're going to read Exodus 12, and then uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 33, 12 through 23, and then uh, get your Bible thumpers ready or your fingers ready if you're doing this on a, a device, a computer, a tablet, or whatever. Because we're going to be going to Mark chapter 4 here in just a second. All right, so Exodus 33, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Oh, how many of you have prayed that lately? I know I have a lot. That I may know you. Wow, what a powerful prayer. That I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, being God now saying, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, then do not bring us up from here. Basically, Moses is saying, I don't want to go any further in life unless I know that you are with me, your presence is with me, your power is with me, your strength is with me, your wisdom is with me. I don't want to go any further. I don't want to take not one more step from this mountain. He's actually on Mount Sinai talking with God uh, in kind of a, a what we call a glory or a cloud, what the Bible calls a Shekinah glory. Really, that's a fancy way of saying a tangible uh, experience of God in this case being on top of the mountain in a cloud of glory. And so as he's talking, he's talking in this cloud and he's really kind of talking, I guess, to this cloud in a way. God, his presence is, is in this cloud, in this form, and there's thunder and there's lightning and there's all kinds of stuff going on. But yet in the midst of, of what seems to be like a storm on the outside, on the inside, is really just God talking with Moses face to face. And Moses is saying, listen, God, I don't want to go any further unless I know that you're with us. Boy, it's been my prayer a lot this year. Even as God has called me to, to lead the church and, and to do whatever it is we need to do as a church that God wants us to do, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and God wants us to be. But man, we don't want to do this just for the sake of being a church. We don't want to do this just for the sake of putting a name over a door and turning it into a club. We want to move forward, but God, we're not going to move forward our way in, in the direction we want. We want to move in the direction that you are moving in. We want to get into the flow, if you will. Get into the groove, right? We want to get into that groove, give it, get into that flow. Uh, we, we want to tap into a source that is not our own. Moses is looking at a daunting task. He's, he's trying to lead a, a, a massive amount of people. Some scholars say a few hundred thousand. Some say almost close to a million. Some, even, some people have even gone so low as to say 30 to 40 to 50,000. Oh, that's still a ton of people. <laughs> Leading 50,000 people is a big job. And then at the high estimates, leading close to half a million people, that's a, that's a big job, right? 
And not only is he doing that, but he's trying to teach them to walk the ways of God and not just be slaves anymore. And, and he's come to the point where he's saying, God, that we can't do this without you. And you know what? This whole world, we can't do this without God either. We can't, you know, we, we can't be the man of God or the woman of God that he wants us to be without God. We can't lead our kids, our grandkids, our family, our friends, our co-workers. We can't lead them in the right direction without God. Those of us that are in some form of leadership and maybe in some way, form or fashion, we all are. There's somebody underneath us that's looking up to us. And, and you know, we can't do this without God. And I don't think God really ever meant for us or intended for us to do that. And I think maybe um, maybe that's just something we've kind of taken on ourselves. And, and that's where Moses is struggling and wrestling with, thinking that he's, he's got this to do, but God, I, I can't do this without you. And God is saying, I'll give you a rest from that. Don't worry about that. You, you don't even have to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm there with you. And um, I'll give you rest from that. So it, it's going to be okay. Um, so those of you that are in that leadership position, I, I implore you to come back to the understanding that the intention of walking with God has never been is never meant for you to do it alone. That's why we call it walking with God. Hey, what a concept. To walk with God means exactly that. Let's walk with God. God doesn't want you to do this by yourself. He doesn't want you to do a single day by yourself. He's always there with you. Let's go back to the scripture, verse 30, verse 16 of 33. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from the people who are upon the face of this earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Wow, what a statement. <laughs> what a prayer. Well, then he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live and the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on a rock. And so shall it be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, oh, but my face shall not be seen. Uh, you've probably read this before, but it's the famous passage of Scripture where Moses says, Show me your glory. Now here again, let, let's, okay, without beating the horse to death, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at this passage of scripture, this amazing passage of scripture. Moses, who is known by God face to face, by name, uh, by, in, in a friendship kind of setting, um, not that there was not ever respect and reverence there that Moses has for God, but yet even through all of that respect and reverence, God has drawn Moses closer and he's done so in such a way where Moses is saying, thank you, Lord, for the grace you've given me. Thank you for the favor that you've given me. 
Thank you, God, that you know my name, and, and thank you, God, that uh, we have this close relationship. And maybe that's an appropriate time for us to say thank you, for us to, in this season of Thanksgiving, to say thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for the relationship you've given us, and thank you for the Holy Spirit you've given us. Thank you for washing us with your blood. Thank you for saving us and, and redeeming us, and for setting a seal upon us until the day of redemption through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for working in my life. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for giving. Thank you for, for being. Thank you for inviting me in on into this, this thing called the will of God. Thank you for using me in whatever way and capacity you've chosen to do so. Thank you for speaking to my heart. Thank you for, for moving in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I could spend a while saying thank you, but but I think you get the, the gist of what we're saying here. Thank you. And in the midst of that, he still says, though, now this is Moses who's in the cloud of God. And he's speaking with God just like a person speaks with a friend. And as he's speaking, he's not only saying, hey, thanks for this good stuff. But he goes deeper to say, but I want to see your glory. Now, boo, it blows my mind, right? He's with God in his glory. And he says, God, show me your glory. As if there is still something mysterious about what's going on in this relationship with him and God. There's still something that, that he wants to know more. Maybe in this case, a better way to phrase that is there's still someone he wants to know more and that someone is God himself. As if there was such a hunger in Moses' life to say, not only do I just want your presence, as in um, just this, this version of of, of a cloud, but I really want to see you. Not just this hazy, foggy, cloudy mist. I want to see you. I want to see the, the, the image of you, if you will. And then that's where God says, hey, listen, um, my image cannot be seen by man's eyes, right? Your, your flesh that would that would consume you in such a way where you wouldn't be able to live in the flesh any longer. Um, but God gives him a promise and says, but here's what I will do for you. What a great God he is, that he, do, he does do something. And when Moses, when God says to Moses, I will do something for you, he says, come up closer, come up. And in fact, one translation says, come closer or come up, come up, you know, my, as if he's not quite at the peak of the mountain yet, but he says, come up. And he says, here at this spot, I've got a rock for you to stand on. Okay. So he invites Moses to stand upon this rock. And he says, in my glory, I will pass by you, but not only will I pass by you, I will then hide you in the cleft of the rock. And then I will put my hand 
over you that actually in this scripture represents my power will cover you, which is the right hand of power. He says, they will cover you and I will pass by you and then I will remove my hand in such a way where you can see a part of me, but you can't see my face, you'll see my back. Now, in the theological world, we call that anthropomorphism. And that basically means a fancy word that means God showing himself in human-like characteristics, or we relate to God in human-like characteristics. Uh, let me give you an example. Jesus said to the woman at the well, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, which means God does not have a body form like we think, because he is God, and, and he's can't be contained in a bodily form. Um, but to be able to relate to us in ways we can understand him, he says things like he has eyes or he has ears or he has arms or hands or something like that, a back in this case. He has these things so that we can kind of relate to him in a way that uh, would be very, very hard to relate to just a spirit because really this is what we see. This is what we know. The hands, the face, the body, those things, those kind of things. So, so this 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 way of God relating to us in an anthropomorphic way um, is really a way of Him reaching down to us to say, "I want to help you understand who I am," and He does so in Moses's life in this situation for a very powerful reason, and that is to show not his face, but his back. Now, a lot of people have said, well, what in the world does that mean? Does God, you know, is God showing him his, his muscle, his back, his, his foot, his backside, him passing? What, what is this? Well, I think the deeper way of looking at this is, is this. Here is God, here's Moses knowing God, and God is trying to say, okay, I've, I've, there's more to me than this, okay? And by the way, so that you can physically be a part of my glory, I'm going to put you on this rock, in this rock, and cover you by my hand. Now stay with me. Jesus is, um, Jesus, this represents Jesus in being the rock, the Apostle Paul says that Jesus was the rock that followed them in the wilderness. Anytime you, you hear about this, this rock of God that, that represents Christ, Jesus himself said he's the chief cornerstone, which the builders rejected. So he's the rock that he represents, or the rock represents him that God put Moses on. So here's Moses standing on Jesus, on the rock. As God passes by, he says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. That also represents Jesus, right? The the rock that was stricken in the wilderness and water poured out from him. And we see Jesus on the cross, our rock on the cross being stricken and blood and water pouring out from him. And from that water, from that well that poured from his heart, he said, if you drink of that well, you, no man will, be, will, will thirst again. And so Moses is on Jesus and he's now hidden in Jesus. He's now put in this cleft in in the rock, which is Jesus, and he's covered by the mighty right hand of God, which is also a representation of Jesus. Hey, how crazy is that? The right hand of God represents Jesus because that's the side where Jesus sits on now in eternity. He says when he ascended to heaven, 
And he went and he sat down at the right hand side of God, which Jesus represents that right hand of God, the hand of fellowship, the hand of power. So here Moses is pre-Jesus, completely surrounded in Jesus, which really represents the grace, uh, uh, the grace of God. And that's what Moses, you, you heard him say twice. Now he said, you've given me grace, but I want to find more grace. You've given me grace and I want more grace. So really the only way to get more grace is to have Jesus, the embodiment of grace, completely cover Moses. And so here Moses is covered completely by his grace. But then at the end, the hand moves to such a way that the move of the hand causes the revelation of this sight of God, this mystery of God. And that's really what God, what Moses is asking. God, you're a bit of a mystery. This cloud, this fog, this mist, it's great, but there's still a mystery to it. And I want to know the mystery. I want to know the mystery of who you are. So then he reveals his backside, which I feel like, this is just my interpretation and all my studies and the way that I've, I look at it. I feel like that he is showing Moses, God is showing Moses when he shows him his backside, what the purpose of all of this is about, the, the future. Because he waits till God goes before him. And as if he's showing Moses, here's the direction in which we are going. And you can't see my face, but I'll let you follow my glory. Which is what Moses was praying for. God, I don't want to go anywhere that you're not already going. And God is saying, I'm going before you. And this is the direction and this is the purpose you're going for. And this is a bigger direction and a bigger purpose than what you could ever imagine. That this direction and this purpose is not just going to be for you and this little group of people, relatively speaking. This purpose is really going to be for the whole world. This purpose is going to be for everyone in this world to be able to have access to the same glory that you are in. That's why Moses meets Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus's uh, flesh gives way to his true identity and the glory comes out of Jesus and his face and his body shine on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's like Moses got to be where Moses got to see thousands of years before. And so again, this this mystery that that Moses is wanting to know is that God is that what what are we doing this for? Where, where is this going? Are, are we just going to just become a nation and die? Or what is this? What is this all about? And God says, "Well, this is what it's all about. This is through through the act that you do now, and through the way that you allow me to work in your life, Moses, will not just influence and impact the people that are around you, but the entire." world. Now, let's look at it this way. Here we are thousands of years later, and we are impacted by the very request from Moses. And it's, it's, it's impactful. It's, it's incredible to think that something Moses did and asked for then is still moving in us today. Because I don't know about you, but I find myself 
I'm not satisfied with the way that I have known God in the past, which has been great and phenomenal, but it's made me hungry to want God even more and to want to know more about who God is. Jesus um, says something interesting about this revealing of a mystery, and he says it directly to his close disciples. If you turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, you have Jesus who is just um, talking about the parable of the sower. And as he's talked about this parable of the sower, he's, he's basically addressing a crowd of people that are following after Jesus to kind of see what Jesus is all about. But then after this, he addresses the crowd, he then gets alone with his disciples and he tells his disciples something very intimate and something very, very interesting. Verses 10 and 11 of Mark chapter 4, he says, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are on the outside, all things come in parables. That's a way where Jesus is, is getting more intimate and more close to his disciples. And he is saying, hey guys, I want you to understand something here. I'm going to give out a lot of parables and a lot of stories to a lot of people that will hear those stories. And maybe it'll spark some interest in their life to, to follow after me. But you, my disciples, my close ones, you're on the inner circle, if you will. And those that are on the inner circle, I want to reveal to you a mystery. And that word mystery actually means um, to be a knowledge that you have to be initiated or, or ordained to receive. It's kind of like belonging to a group of people that you're not going to really know their secret details unless you're initiated into that group. Now, God's not necessarily being selective in the whole world like that. But what God is really doing and what Jesus is saying here is that, is that I'm going to, he said, I'm initiating in your life something incredibly special. And this initiation will lead you to understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. Well, that initiation is Jesus initiating a relationship with the disciples and asking them to come follow him before they ever ask to follow after Jesus. That means God initiated this all. Jesus initiated this all. You know what? Jesus does that on a daily basis. He initiates through the power of the Holy Spirit the, the work in our life. And it's up to us to to lay down our fleshly desires and things of the world and, and to, to, to go after that and to go get what, what God has laid down. And he says to his disciples, I don't want you to just know the stories. I want you to know the heart and the intent behind the stories. I want you to know the heartbeat. I want you to know me. Jesus is the heartbeat of those parables. Jesus is the heartbeat of those stories. Jesus is the heartbeat of the gospel. Jesus is the heartbeat of grace. 
Jesus is the one that covers us in grace so that we can see the glory of God or we can see the glory of God operate and move in our life in ways that continually reveal more and more about his identity to us. And we find out through those ways that that we see more the identity of God, which leads to the to the works of God, because everything God does comes from who he is. So we need to know that God has actually invited us to not just know about these stories or not just know about the Bible, but it's almost like God is saying, I'm inviting you to be part of the living Bible in this world today, I'm, I want to be. I want you to to be the heartbeat, to know the heart of the story of God. I've heard it said this way in kind of a cute analogy: the word history is His story. That that this whole this whole history of life and where life is going, it's all His story. But are we content to be a part of this story without knowing the story writer? Another passage of scripture says that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. That he's inviting us through faith to not just know the story, not to just sit back and and hear the story told, but to be a part of his story, to be a part of history in being a representative of the glory of God. That not only is Jesus saying, I'm initiating this relationship with you so that you can see my glory, but one day, disciples, one day I'm going to use you to reveal that glory to the world. And that's where we pick up with what the Apostle Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to try to read this quickly. This can, I know there's a lot of scripture here and it can get a little bit wordy, but just just hang on. We're going somewhere. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Do you see that relationship starting to to build here? What he's talking about, those that love him? Um, He says, normal eyes and ears, they can't see or hear what's going on. But you who love God, you're being drawn in. You're being initiated. He's taking the initiative to draw you in to know him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That's grace, right? He's given us this grace, which allows us to to step into 
a, a glory of knowing him and that all is initiated through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit, Jesus said he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. That baptism of the Holy Spirit is an initiation, if you will, into the kingdom of God so that we can know God as him being king and Lord over our life. But then not only that, become part of that kingdom in a way where we are now taking that glory out to the world. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's see, verse 13. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are, the, they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Whoa! The Bible is saying here that just as Jesus was saying, I don't want you to just know the story. I want you to know the heart behind the story. What this is saying is that in, in, in essence... You're not just going to be, uh, let me put it this way. You're not just going to know the story. You're not just going to know the, the heart of the story. You're going to know the intention of the story, the intention of this glory, the intention of this grace, the intention of this gospel. You're going to know the thoughts of God because you have the mind of Christ this mystery has been revealed to you through the initiation, the initial work of Jesus Christ by his grace and by him baptizing you with the Holy Spirit into a level of glory that you're going to not just know God as in, ooh, you're way up there, big ball of light in the sky, God, but you're going to know him in such a way where you're going to know his thoughts. Ooh, that is deep, y'all. That's crazy deep. You're going to know the thoughts of God. And what that really means is that you're going to know the heart of why God is doing what he's doing, what God is up to. Just like now in, this, in the midst of this uncertainty and craziness of life, God is inviting you to know what God is up to the heart behind what all is going on and what he's doing in the midst of this craziness. This, this mystery, Paul is saying, has been revealed by grace. And it's done so for the purpose of us knowing him. And us knowing the heart, not from a distance, but from close. I'm going to close with one last passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter 3. And really, you know, I wish I had time to read the entirety of Ephesians chapter 3. I encourage you to do so because the very first part of, of chapter 3 is him talking about how that Holy Spirit is revealing this mystery to, to, to his people. And we, we put it this way. A lot of people ask me to pray about this or talk to me about this or counsel with them about this. What is the will of God, right? That's kind of the big mystery we want to know for our life. What's the will of God for my life? What's the will of God for what's going on in the world right now? What's the will of God? Whether to, to narrow it down, here's the will of God, which is what we kind of sometimes, when we think through the world and through the flesh, is a mystery. But the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it 
to you, this is the will of God, to know Him and to make Him known. In whatever way we need to do that, and a lot of that is how we live every day of our life. To know God and to make Him known. That's the will of God. That's the big mystery made simple. Now, we, I know it gets a lot more complicated than that. But if you just start with that, the rest a lot of times falls in place. To know God, to know not just the story of God, but to know the heart of God, to know Him deeply, intimately. But then from that knowing, through the work of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that He gives us and the comprehension and the understanding that He gives us, and not just that, these free things He gives us by His grace. I will supply all your needs according to the riches in glory. That's, that's through grace. He gives this, these free things to you. Through grace, he gives you this initiated relationship. Through grace, he gives you the access to approach the throne of grace boldly, whereby we can ask for help and mercy in time of need. This, this grace initiates in us the work of the Holy Spirit, Him baptizing us and filling us and overflowing our life in such a, a profound way that we begin to impact those around us. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit baptized them and overflowed them in such a way that, that it, it became a flood and it began to impact all of those around them. Uh, the Galatians chapter 5 gives us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these are great, but these are not meant to be kept in ourselves. These are meant to flow from us. What is love if it's, if it's kept inside, right? What's kindness if it's kept inside? What's patience if it's kept inside? All of this is meant to flow freely from God into us, out of us to impact the world. That's the twofold glory of God. It is for us and then it is through us. Does that make sense? Hope so. Um, but let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. This is Apostle Paul saying that um, he's, well, he's been in tribulation and, and there's some concern for him, but he's basically saying, don't be concerned. I'm actually praying for you, which is where we pick up. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes on knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Boom, <laughs> big prayer, huge prayer to be filled with the fullness of God. How powerful is that? But it's for this reason. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. In other words, for you to wrap your head around the fact that God has invited you to know him in his fullness and you think that's impossible. I don't know how that can happen. Paul's saying it can happen because God can do more than you think can happen. He's God, 
And he's done so, he says, according to the power that works in us. Which means he's not only inviting you into his glory to know him, but he's inviting you to be a part of his glory to make him known, to, to move that out. And verse 21 says, because it's to him that we're going to give the glory. It's to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, the importance of the church is to not just have a, a group. The first importance of a church is to have a group that comes together, that worships him and knows him and draws closer to him together to learn more about him, to worship corporately and to sing together and to fellowship together. And then the second part of that, that purpose of a church is to be the glory of God out to those in the church and around the church and, and even around in this world. There are seven things that Apostle Paul prays for. First is that you would have strength, spiritual, inner strength. Not just outward strength that fades away, but inner strength that never fades away. Second thing is that he prays that Christ would always dwell in their hearts through faith, that they would always be walking by faith, and in so that Christ would be right there with them, walking with them every day. Third thing is, is that they would be rooted and grounded, not in feelings, but in love. That's important. That real, Man, I wish I had time to go through all of this deeper. Maybe we'll do so in the very near future. But Paul says, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. Get your source. Get your strength. Get your power. Let those roots go down deep into the love of God, and you get that love from that. He also says, I want you to have this understanding and this revelation of God's love in your life. You know, I pray that for you. I pray that, that if you have not had a tangible revelation of God's love happen in your life, I pray that that happens because there's nothing like that to solidify that relationship and that faith you have. Then he goes on to say the fullness, the fifth thing. He says, I pray that you have this fullness of God this fullness of God, this not just to know God, but to know him fully and completely in every bit of you, that it's not, God is not compartmentalized in your life, that he's, he's got all of your life fully involved, and all of you is fully involved in his glory and his will. And that he does so for this, this church experience not just the building, but for the people of God to be the people of God that they're supposed to be, to empower, empower, worship God, and be service out to, to others around. And then the seventh thing he prays for is all of this would be done, not for our glory, but for God's. That this is, it's his story. <laughs> And we are a part of it. But I invite you to not just be a part of it, but to know and be in the heart of it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being with us. We love you. We're here for you. Let's pray. Father God, we need you. We love you. We want you. God, I'm not satisfied with just knowing about you. I want to know more of you. And Father God, I know that you're inviting and initiating a work in our life. And I pray that we would lay down the things of the flesh and, and begin to take up that cross and follow after you. I pray these same seven things that Apostle Paul prayed for his church, prayed for the believers. 
I pray that we would all know God in his fullness, in the richness. I pray that we would have inner strength. And I pray that, that we would feel Christ dwelling inside of us, that we would be rooted and grounded in love, and that we would have a revelation, a fresh revelation of the glory and the love of, and the power of God. I pray, God, that we would do all of this to worship you greater and to serve you more. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we pray that you do it exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed tonight. Stay tuned to what we're going to be going on next Wednesday night, what's going to be going on in the, in the near future. Might be getting some Christmas stuff going. I love Christmas, love this time of year. And hey, I love you guys. You need anything? Let me know. Tag me, call me, text me, whatever. Peace out. We love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.